Hi, everyone. We're so happy that you've joined us for another episode of In Harmony with Piedmont Opera. And this is a great time of year because we're, we're in the thick of the new season for Piedmont Opera. And we're actually recording this just after the conclusion of the tremendous run of Il Trovatore. And uh, Ben Gully is is with us now. He is an international tenor. He's he's performed all over the country, all over the world. We're, we're really excited to, to dive into his story and his experience and about his debut with with Piedmont Opera. So he was in Winston-Salem. He just traveled back to, to Kalamazoo, Michigan, where home base is for him. So we're recording this virtually. But Ben, thank you for, for spending some time with us. Uh, tell us, first of all, just about your experience here in the triad while you were around performing. Oh, man, I felt so lucky. Well, one, thanks for having me, brother. It's great to great to <laughs> yeah. meet you. And yeah, yeah, it really was uh, tremendous. It's I'm definitely coming down the other side of the mountain after the conclusion we had on Tuesday night. It was uh, it also being the final performance in the Stevens Center for a while. So it was an extra emotional night. And uh, Maestro got up on stage after the bows and I'm getting into the weeds, but he uh, he led the entire audience in Old Lang Syne. And it was very, very beautiful. It was a w- beautiful way to go out. But yeah, I absolutely fell in love with Winston Salem. I, I and well, the whole triad area for that matter. But it was it was a magical time. I felt really lucky being there this time of year when the the leaves are changing and everything. Just made it even more romantic and beautiful. But yeah, the people were great. The coffee was good. The food was great. I had a great time. So, what was your experience initially with with Piedmont Opera? You, you've you've experienced working with so many different opera companies. We mentioned nationally and internationally. Uh, tell us about the experience in working with ours. Oh, it's so beautiful. You know, I, I you never know what you're what you're coming into in a new place uh, with with artistic candor and stepping in here. I it's felt so special on so many levels. Jamie is such Jamie James Albritton is such an incredible musician and human to boot. And Stephen, our director, was absolutely incredible, and uh, they assembled a really special cast. It's kind of serendipitous uh, to Sheena Vaughn, your local your local superstar who played uh, Azucena in, in El Trovatore, getting to debut this with her. She's one of the best Azucenas on the planet and ever since the role was written. So getting to step into that with her, with, you know, here in Piedmont, with it, it being her homecoming too, it was just magical. I, I keep saying unforgettable and everything because it really will be. I'll, I'll carry this one for the rest of my life. But you can't, you can't and shouldn't compare your experiences against other companies, you know, because it's always different. It's always... It's always fluid and life's always happening, but Piedmont is a very special company and I, I, I can't wait to come back and I'm excited to see what you guys do and all the clever programming you guys have going on with Connie and James, what they've got hooked up for what you guys are going to do while the Stevens Center is getting rebuilt. That's so exciting for your community and hopefully I get to come back and be a part of that too. But yeah, they were just wonderful. They, you don't, there's a big con- conversation in opera right now. We, we keep using this adjective modern opera and what that is in Piedmont. Uh, kind of made a statement. This was a true classical telling of this opera. It was. Did you get to see it out? Were you able to? See I show? was. I was out of town, unfortunately, for all oh, okay. of the, all three of the performances. So no oh idea. yeah, this was authentic. We did it. It's. It's. We were sword fighting. We were singing and swinging swords and telling the story of these. This uh, very um, tumultuous era in Spain's history, and it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, just. Hearing an audience gasp, the curtain coming down at the end of uh, Act One or at the end of things, and people are screaming before the high notes are cut off. It's 
it reminds you of what really opera is about and that was so exciting to see piedmont react that way it was absolutely incredible so you know you mentioned you you mentioned the steven center and and this being the last performance and the steven center is is eventually going to come back but it's going to be offline for a while due to the renovations but what did you learn about the history of the steven center and the performing arts and and what kind of extra special meaning do you feel like this had in being the last one in its current state Oh, I think uh, Maestro said it best. He he stood there and said 46 years ago, I think, or something like that, or, or I'm not sure how long ago that, I think maybe that was the right year. <laughs> Fact check. Um, yeah, he said that where he was standing on center stage, Bernstein was the opening night conductor at the Stevens mm. Center. And so for James to be up there, and he was in he was in fair company because it was a really magical night. I, I mean, not only that, hearing the stories from Tashina and, Brian Banyan and some of the other, you know, veterans here at the at the opera. So much energy. I, I liken the theater a lot to temples or churches. It's kind of it, that there's a sanctity once you walk in there. And so I loved it. The energy in there is incredible. The space was beautiful to sing. And so I'm I'm, opt- I'm, I'm optimistic for, for what it's going to sound like after all the renovations and everything. But hearing that Tashina got to present Leontine Price flowers and she was allergic. So she let Tashina keep the flowers. Like stories like that, you just... You know, when she bows, she touches the floor. Um, and there's a, that's a tradition for a lot of people when they bow, they like to touch the floor just to get fingerprints mm. on the on the stage. But I love it. Yeah, there's something magical standing center stage, uh, performing, lights are on you. And I feel like there's a kind of, what's that Carl Sagan quote of standing on the shoulders of giants? I think, you know, mm. I think that's really relevant, you know. It was a it's a beautiful theater and it's what a beautiful part of downtown, too. That's that's the best part. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it'll, we'll, we'll certainly miss it. But as we've talked about in, in previous episodes of this podcast, this gives the opportunity to take performances to other venues around the triad. But we do look forward to the day in the not too distant future when we can return to the Stevens Center in downtown Winston-Salem. So, Ben, before we we discuss some of the things that you've done in your in your career recently, we always love to find out where our guests' love of music originated. How did music become such a big part of your life? How far back does it go? Um, from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm a musical mutt. Uh, I always tell the story. I, I, I in my uh, in my older years now, not older years, but in my wisdom, I think I, we liken it to musical ADD. It's one of those, it's all the same 12 notes. And so I grew up singing with everything. My mom was singing in the church choir. I grew up singing in the church. My dad uh, loves to sing. I wouldn't call him a singer. <laughs> Neither would he. Um, but, you know, I pl- played instruments. My grandpa played piano. My mom played organ. My sister played flute. And so it was one of those, I picked up guitar, played tuba, and, uh, picked up piano. And just, it's started becoming like a polyglot of music. So. Uh, got into it in college, but yeah, I, I started singing in the church is really uh, is really what started it for me. When did you realize that your singing was a talent that could take you places professionally? Um, I think personally, I did the musical Guys and Dolls um, my junior year in high school, and everybody, you know, the world's only as big as it is <laughs> where you are, you know, so in high school, that, you know, center stage is, that's a big moment for you, but I felt something, sing and sit down, you're rocking the boat as nicely, nicely Johnson with the spotlight on you, and the crowd 
was breathing. I always t- I talk about this. This is maybe one of my favorite aspects of performing of what like what's the magic of performing live, especially in opera. There's something above uh, of, of the, the most amazing moments in life when there's synergy in the room. And as an as an opera singer, you cut off a phrase and you take your next breath, and you hear all twelve hundred, all three thousand, all five thousand people take that breath with you. Woo! There is nothing else like that on the planet because if you're doing it right, we're all in that moment creating that new reality together. And so that's that's what I love about it. That, that's when I knew. I'm going to say that's probably the earliest moment. I was like, "Aha! I've got to do this the rest of my life." That's. <laughs> That's interesting. And in, in, in all the people we've talked to so far, that example of when you feel that moment and when those moments come about, I haven't, I don't think, and I don't know if our audience has heard it described that way, but that's a really amazing feeling to, to see people. I mean, we, we hear the phrase hanging on every word or hanging on every yeah. note. And yeah, that that's a really good description of that. I, well, we've talked about that, you know, the, the scuttlebutt in the back. It's like that's something presidents feel. It's something pastors feel. It's something Freddie Mercury felt. It's something, oh, yeah. you know, and it's so as opera singers, I guess I understand even more so why it's the they call the pretentiousness of it. They call it high art because opera is asking everyone and everything, including the audience to be open to, to achieving something artistic that we've, you know, it's going to be half, it's temporal. That's why I love live opera. It's not a recording. What happened happened. And if you were there, you were there. And if you weren't, you weren't, that's the beautiful part of it. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's an amazing description. Tell, can you tell us about some of the other ways that you were involved in musical theater or music in general beyond just opera? Yeah. My whole career I've, uh, I've, it's always been, it hasn't been a battle. I've always been compelled to tell stories. And I, I think that's really what the, the through line of all of it is, you know, we, we, I jokingly say the musical ADD, but it really is uh, just really good tales and stories will hook me. And if I want to tell that story, I'm going to go for it. So if it's into the woods, I'm going to go be the baker. You know, if it's, if it's uh, fortunately, I, I had an amazing opportunity come into my life a few years ago, COVID uh, slowed it down a little bit, but we were able to workshop it and put it on in Milwaukee. Dennis DeYoung, the lead singer of Styx, mm-hmm. um, he wrote his version of Hunchback in Notre Dame. And I got a random voicemail one day from someone I thought pranking me. It was Dennis DeYoung saying, Ben, it's Dennis. Uh, you're Quasimodo. I found you. And I'm like, is that a compliment? I didn't know if that's a compliment. He's not, yeah. But it was a compliment because the music and the story is absolutely beautiful. So that's going, uh, knock on wood, we're still working on it, uh, finishing all the details, but that's going to the West End this next summer. So that's really, it's been, it's something I'm biased, but I think it's one of the best musicals ever written. But that that said, that's, if it's La Boheme, I want to tell Rodolfo's song, you know, if, if it's Il Trovatore, wielding Manrico's sword is something else telling that story. So yeah, that's been the through line. It's been musicals and opera. You can break it down, but I'm a little trite. I think they're all kind of the same art form. I think it's, I think it's all just presenting it for a public. Yeah, maybe you, maybe you just answered this question, but do you have, <laughs> do you have a, a particular concentration or focus professionally, whether it's writing or performing or composing, or 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 any style of of music that you find most stimulating beyond the others? Um, if I had to make a, a, a chart, opera is the paramount opera is the, is the keystone. That's, 
that's my passion. That's my, I think it's the most beautiful and, and earning and deserving and challenging of the art forms personally. So uh, I, I am, I feel more in the moment in opera when it's at its best, when, when I'm given my best on an opera stage than I do in almost any other form. That said, I love all the other ones too. It's like asking a parent, which one's their favorite kid, you know, but um, opera, I, I still have some big goals to achieve in opera um, and the other stuff too, but, that's how I feel. It's like it's. I'm 38 now, so in, in opera years, I'm a man now. So the next decade is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> so be- before we branch outside of the the U.S. borders, can you tell us about some of the the pinch me moments that you've had performing within the United States, other than Piedmont Opera, of course? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's always the the you've got those little rungs on the ladder. We call them when you're like, oh, I'm going to do that one. I want to do that one. The, my favorite one was. Uh, my, my best buddy Scott and I would watch uh, Pavarotti live in recital at Carnegie Hall. And there's this brass conductor's podium where it's got a pole and he had a chair there. So when they play, he could sit down and I'll never forget this watch. Like he grabbed the, he grabbed the brass pole, like, like a bunch of times to get up on the conductor's podium. And so when I go to make my debut uh, and I'm sitting down to the left of the conductor and I go to stand up, I grab the brass pole. And that was one of those pinch me moments. I'm like, Son of a gun. Yeah, I'm right here. All right. Right here. Yeah. Where, yeah, I'm right here where my idols were. So it's, yeah, I've had other moments, even especially in pop culture, you know, fame is nothing but a name. But when you work with celebrities and things, it's always like, I am from Missouri. <laughs> I know there's a lot of good folks from Missouri originally, <laughs> but you're just standing there getting a high five from Sam Jackson or, you know, getting Sidney Poitier and Denzel Washington screaming bravo for you after singing this with, with David Foster on the piano, Jamie Foxx getting ready to come on stage. You're just like, what are these moments in life? No one, no one will ever, you can't really equate them to anything besides like you were yeah. there. <laughs> your, your feet, your hands, they're, they're, yeah. they're the same places as, as these amazing figures that you yeah. just described. And, I will be honest. I did feel infinitely cooler after getting a high five from Samuel Jackson. That's one of those cool moments. Yeah. That that's one of those. Anytime you, you make contact with Samuel Jackson, you are, right, I, do, exactly. I do, I do think you instantly become much, a, a much cooler individual when that right. happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so how about internationally, Ben? Um, let, let's, let's hear about some of the places you've been able to travel. Some of the things you've been able to see that, uh, that are truly memorable. Oh man, Europe's absolutely amazing. I'm still, uh, you know, hopefully relations get a little better over the next years and, I'd still love to sing in Russia and, and China and, you know, see some of these opera houses that are some of the newer ones, but just historic ones and get to sing. I still want to sing in South Korea and, and Tokyo, but yeah, I, Hamburg was, was my debut over there, my international debut. And that was wild. That was a 48 hour phone call to jump in um, <laughs> for an opera that I hadn't sung in three years. So oh, wow. yeah, I had to, I had to smash uh, two and a half hours of French, um remembering that on the plane right over but it was absolutely getting over there to cover them and that was lechmoyen singing aeneas the 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 captain who finds rome who founded rome and it's a beautiful story but yeah that was intense and homburg's absolutely gorgeous i mean singing in front of the, the pyramids in giza i just did aida this last year at fort worth and i i have this twinkle in my eye now because where these characters are walking and singing Yep, I've sung on those stones too. Yeah, oh, I've walked that temple garden. I've walked those paths. I've you know I've touched that. I've been into the Khufu's, you know, in, in, touched the pyramid. I've touched Thina's wife's pyramid. So it's pretty amazing to 
have those moments, especially when these tales are set in ancient times and you get to go to these ancient places. I, I had a teacher, a mentor, Michael Cousins. He would talk about that. He goes, you got to go click your heels. You have to wear hard sole shoes. And when you get to Europe, you have to go click your heels and see how hard it is to walk on cobblestone streets. He's like, so all these characters, it's one of those silly things of all these, these, you know, 1700s and 1800s characters are earlier. It's they're walking on lumpy roads. Yeah. So you behave differently. You kind of walk differently. And it's true. Once you learn what those roads are like, you see how these old characters would move and, and what their reality was like. But yeah, Germany is amazing. Switzerland's absolutely beautiful. Um, I'm going back to Belgium, actually singing um, at the Bazaar, at the palace um, for my Tristan debut in a few weeks. That's about a month away. So I go over to Brussels uh, with the Belgian National Orchestra. And that's going to be, that'll be a, hopefully another unforgettable night. Yeah. So what's on your list then of places, whether it's here domestically or internationally, what's on your list of places that you haven't checked off yet that you want to? Oh, man. If the Mets listening, I, I can't wait to get over there. <laughs> uh, we've, yeah, I'm, I'm going to present some stuff for them soon, but I'm still dreaming of that. You know, my best buddy, Scott, that I said earlier, he got to go on a couple Fridays ago as Kalina and La Boheme at the Mets. So that was a he had his big dream dream come true moment. So we're still dreaming of, of uh, debut or doing a show together. But yeah, the Mets there. Yeah, I'd love to sing for Lyric Opera Chicago. Um, Seattle's still the one I want to check off the list. And, you know, Dallas, I made a recital with them, but I'd love to go on their stage. And yeah, Houston Grand would be great too. But yeah. Yeah. Lots what, of places everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of what is act, what is next on your calendar, you mentioned you're going to Belgium here soon, but what else is coming yeah. up next for you? Uh, next week, Peter Dugan, the host of NPR's From the Top, uh, pianist, he's one of my good buddies. He's coming in town. We're presenting our first uh, public recital uh, for Fontana Chamber Arts, um, him on piano, and I'll, I'll be pulling up my ukulele for a couple encores at the end of the show, but um yeah that's next and then belgium and then new york and then uh kansas city singing the plaza lighting ceremony on thanksgiving night so uh that's a that's a good bragging rights moment for mom and dad in kansas mm -hmm. city <laughs> i was like i'd love to just be chilling on that no but i'm, I'm very grateful <laughs> i'm looking forward to singing uh for that and then I'm trying to think and then i go back to yeah that's San, uh, symphony san jose i'm doing there uh, Christmas show. Uh, so busy. And then I've got a few debuts with Romeo and Juliet with Opera, Opera Idaho and uh, putting Edgardo's shoes back on for Lucia de la Memoria and Opera Orlando. But, yeah, a few more debuts. It's been a lot of a lot of new music going through my head this last year because this will be, I think I've got five debuts this year. It's about 1,200 pages of music worth of new music that's in this noggin right now. So Wow. Wow. It's, I don't know how you I don't know how you retain it all. I really don't. Oh, sure you do. I bet you could rip off some some football stats or something right now too pretty quickly. I'm sure you could. Yeah, th those international plane flights though, you mentioned if you need like a refresher on on some international language, you um you did say that you sometimes you have those long international flights that help to, Oh yeah. To, to deliver a refresher. Uh his website is bengully.com, G U L L E Y dot com. And that's where you can stay up to date. Links to all his social media and and all of his uh media uh from past and uh and future. But going back to to your time as as we wrap up here, Ben, here when you were here in Winston-Salem, do you have any particular uh delicacy that you tried 
local cuisine that you tried <laughs> where, where you said, wow, that, that was a meal. That was an item that I, that I won't forget. Oh yeah. I had an English teacher. Are you asking me in Winston-Salem? In Winston-Salem. Yep. Yep. Winston-Salem. Oh yeah. Oh, you're going to love. So my English teacher at Miss Whitman in uh, high school, she taught us to, or didn't taught us, but she, she had us read Mark Twain. And so I love it. It's like the local color. And so she's always challenged us to go taste the taste, you know, smell the smell, see the sights. So I found Brasstown Chocolatier there in town that I love. Great chocolate. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you have, yeah, so good. Wow. And they were so sweet. I walked in and I, I, you know, I bought the cast gifts from there and she just let me sample a bunch of stuff. And so I was getting the sugar shakes by the time I left there. But um, <laughs> Cranky's, those biscuits at Cranky's, that's some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get to go, but I, I've got to go to the barbecue joint next time I'm there. Was it High Town or On the Town, I think, is, is what somebody was recommending Ooh, i'm trying to think i mean there's there's so many i'm, I'm trying to think where the location might have been that you yeah. tried uh but yeah we've we've got several barbecue joints around oh, great here. i mean any any north Car- or if you drive down to lexington or anything like that oh I mean, sure yeah just north carolina style barbecue you got oh yeah there. brother the steaks were fantastic yeah mm-hmm. it's uh it, yeah it's so good you guys yeah. know what's going on <laughs> well good well uh anything else that our listeners should know in terms of how to keep up with you beyond your website no, nah, I think you said it. Yes, uh, Instagram or Facebook. G U L L. Never, never forget the E E Y. It's the one to stick in there. But yeah, yeah. Find me at Ben Gully thinks at, at almost all the hashtags. So, well, thank you, Ben, for for ma- helping to make such a memorable performance in our last one at the Stevens Center with Piedmont Opera prior to its renovation. And uh, thanks for carving out some time for us here on the podcast. Oh, thanks, Adam. Appreciate you, brother. 